All this stuff is making me old. It's dangerous to live, I am told. This planet looks so cute, but it's cold. I need someone who's good. Someone who's true. Someone who's nice. I need someone like you. Hallelujah. My new town Novotny, Newfound Lover. Sitting together at a table on the viewing platform at the Southern Reach facility, Lena, Thornson, Shepard, and Raddick get to know one another. In the script, Lena continues to talk just to Thornson. Lena, I have a question. Thornson, shoot. Lena, why is our team all women? This detail goes all but unremarked in the film. Thornson, affirmative action. It's an important part of the struggle that women get equal opportunity to go on in suicide missions. Thornson holds up her fist. Thornson continued. Yes, sister? Lena bumps it. Clark Collis describes the team in Entertainment Weekly, 23rd February, 2018. Quote, Lena's team members include Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, and Tuva Novotny. In the film, there's almost no reference to their all-female lineup, and Garland is keen not to make a big deal of it. I deliberately did not want to draw attention to it, and so I don't really want to do it now, he says. Portman, however, is clearly pleased to be part of a genre project that foregrounds so many female characters, particularly in this era in filmmaking history. It was really exciting to read in the script how we were treated like normal human characters, not like the girls, she says. I'm very proud to be coming out with this film at this moment, where there's so many wonderful actresses displaying their work and their camaraderie, 
It's a really nice thing to be part of. End quote. Natalie Portman tells Jen Yamato, Los Angeles Times, 20th February 2018, quote, And to have five women at the center of this expedition? We're so used to seeing five men going and doing something together, it's not even questioned why it's always all men. To give that same kind of attitude to five women is really unique. End quote. Tuva Novotny tells Mulderville, 18th February 2018, I mean, it's a dream come true, really. We've been a lot of people working on trying to get all female casts or trying to get more female power in the business and so on. Alex is a great writer and he always um, serves the characters right, you know, so every character is a three-dimensional with a backstory and a, you know, um, so I think what made the character interesting was just that, you know, that they all came in with personal stories. That was actually also screen time, you know, not just something we make up to motivate, but to tell the story, you know. Back to the script. Thornton smiles. Thornton continued. It's also because they think a team of women might have a better chance of survival than a team that includes men. Lena, I don't follow. In Frank Herbert's God Emperor of Dune, Leto II has foregone the traditional male-dominated military for females. In the following exchange, the latest clone of Duncan Idaho discusses this with Maneo Atreides. Quote, Yes, he says that all male army was too dangerous to its civilian support base. That's crazy. Without the army, there would have been no... I know the argument, but he says that the male army was a survival of the screening function delegated to the non-breeding males in the prehistoric pack. He says it was a curiously consistent fact that it was always the older males who sent the younger males into battle. What does that mean, screening function? The ones who were always out on the dangerous perimeter protecting the core of breeding males, females, and the young. The ones who first encountered the predator. How is that dangerous to the civilians? Idaho took a bite of the melon found it ripened perfectly. The Lord Leto says that when it was denied an external enemy, the all-male army always turned against its own population. Always. Contending for the females. Perhaps. He obviously does not believe, however, that it was that simple. I don't find this a curious theory. You have not heard all of them. There's more? Oh, yes. He says that the all-male army has a strong tendency toward homosexual activities. Idaho glared across the table at Maneo. I never... Of course not. He is speaking about sublimation, about deflected energies and all the rest of it. The rest of what? Idaho was prickly with anger at what he saw as an attack on his male self-image. Adolescent attitudes, just boys together, jokes designed purely to cause pain, loyalty only to your pack mates, things of that nature. End quote. There's an unfortunate take on homosexual activities as inherently negative there, but in the larger context of that story, an implicit natural camaraderie among women seems the stronger element anyway. I would assume, if Herbert were writing God Emperor of Dune today, there would be commentary on toxic masculinity rather than homosexuality. The Western cultural push toward masculine energy leads to might, and might makes right. Within the context of Vandermeer's novel Annihilation, this latest group being all women is simply a new iteration of variables more than anything meaningful. Why it took them 30 years to get to such an obvious variant, I don't know. The lack of import to the all-female team is only within the context of Vandermeer's first novel, of course. Outside of the story, I have yet to see Vandermeer make a specific case as to why his novel's main cast is female. Vandermeer does explain to Book Riot, 12 September 2018, quote, There are certain things I think I have done consciously, like once I made a conscious decision not to have physical descriptions of the women in Annihilation, it served the narrative, because that sort of subsumes them in the landscape more. But it was also making a point and the point was that male authors tend to be crap at writing descriptions of women in novels. 
And I also wanted to make the point that you have to decide what you think of these women based on what they say and what they do, not what they look like. End quote. Of the various women, the previously cited Jen Yamato writes, quote, that they're all complex and dimensional female characters is at once trailblazing and refreshingly, perfectly normalized. End quote. In the film, Lena has just joined three of the other women, and regarding her incessant flirting, Thorinson says, Under the circumstances, I I'm think I'm allowed to roll the dice, dice a few more times. <laughs> Anglon Lena. Lena. Under what, what circumstances? circumstances? Anglon Raddick. She doesn't speak. She looks down. Angle past Raddick on Shepard. She's looking at Raddick, but turns to Lena. Shepard. Well, well yeah. yeah. Um, crazy, crazy as it seems. Angle past Thorinson on Lena. Thorinson. Crazy, crazy as, it, as is. it is. Lena looks at Thorinson. Her expression is serious, like maybe she knows what they are about to tell her. And she understands what it means. She looks again towards Shepard. Second 15 angle past Raddick on Shepard. Shepard. We are headed, are headed that, way. that way. Shepard rather casually indicates the direction behind her with a thumb over her shoulder. The direction of the Shimmer. Shepard is portrayed by Tuva Novotny. Born Tuva Moa Matilda Carolina Novotny Hedstrom, 21st December 1979 in Stockholm, Sweden. Tuva is the second of five children. Her parents are the Czech filmmaker David Jan Novotny and Swedish artist Barbara Hedstrom. She has studied theater and dance and has played in various bands. She wrote and sings the song Newfound Lover, which features in the film Smala Susi, in which she also stars. In 2000, she was named Sweden's Sexiest Woman by the fashion magazine Café. While she is, in America at least, the lesser known of the stars of this film, she has 64 acting credits on IMDb, including being a regular on the Swedish sitcom Doug, which ran from 2010 to 2015. She loves to take photos, and she speaks Swedish, Czech, Danish, Norwegian, and English. 23rd November 2004, she was appointed by Prince Joachim of Denmark to be one of four Swedish Hans Christian Andersen ambassadors to celebrate Andersen's 200th birthday. She has two children with her husband, Nikolai Bjerum Lersbrigen. Novotny tells the movie Times, 11th February 2018. And obviously, because it's it's quite rare to work with only women in, in, the, in the main cast. So that was a bit, you know, there was a bit of thought to that, I think, how that was going to play out. And it's just been, it's just been organic and beautiful from day one. He wants everyone to participate in every aspect, you know, which is a great responsibility to be given, but also a great... Um, trust, and I think that's a, that's um, very important aspects in terms of feeling secure and and being able to work in full capacity. You know, when you're invited in or included, obviously you're going to give more back too. So I, I think he the, his his brilliance is really knowing his expertise, but also knowing how to bring out the expertise of everyone else. Second 18, angle on Thornson. Lena, blurry beyond her. Thornson smiles, and her eyes are wide and bright, but it is painfully obvious that she understands that they most likely will not return. Her smile fades as we linger on her. Lena, you're, you're going, going into, into the, the shimmer. shimmer? Thornson answers without hesitation, or turning her attention to Lena. In a way, it feels like something automatic, which turns my mind toward the hypnosis from the novel. Really, it is a sort of defense mechanism. Lingering on Thorinson in the shot, we can see that she is not as calm or as still as she might seem. Thorinson, six, six days, days and counting. counting. We get an awkward cut from 
angle on Thornton, Lena blurry behind her, to angle past Thornton on Lena. Why not a rack focus or pole focus or use a two shot instead of something simple? We get a cut from almost the exact same angle, but with a different focus. And I spoke while doing my notes for this minute to a camera operator friend of mine and showed him this scene and he wondered why they're all filmed in profile for this scene so much. And partly it is because in the opposite direction is green screen. There is nothing off of this platform. And anytime they point the cameras in the other direction, they will have to use effect shots. That costs money. However, there are ways to get around that. Position your table in the right angle. Put something else in the way. Get two shots across the table. Go in for close-ups where we only see one person at a time. You can do these things on purpose to draw our focus to where you want them to draw them, but this scene, we'll come again to it in a moment, keeps seemingly screwing that up rather than doing it deliberately. Lena turns toward Thornton, then more slowly back toward Raddick and Shepard. Lena, you three? Angle on Raddick, Shepard beyond. Raddick, four. Raddick looks up at Lena. Raddick continued. Ventress. Second 31, angle past Thornton on Lena. Lena. Dr. Ventress. Shepard, off screen. Mm. Team Team leader. leader. Beat, and Lena says it. The only time the film really acknowledges the setup. Lena. All women. Angle on Raddick. Shepard beyond. Raddick. Scientist. Second 37, another one of those odd cuts. This one from Raddick in focus. Shepard blurry beyond. To Raddick. Blurry in the foreground, Shepard and Focus Beyond. Perhaps Garland or director of photography Rob Hardy are doing this on purpose, like the use of far too many camera setups in the exchange between Lena and Ventress in Lena's room earlier, ostensibly to subtly make us uncomfortable, just as Lena. Except here, these four women are effectively being equated with one another, visually, as they later will be in dialogue, all chosen because of their self-destructive tendencies. But, like the Lena Ventress thing from earlier, this does not feel deliberate. Rather, it feels like poor choices in the editing room when too much coverage was available. That's not entirely true either. It's not that there's too much coverage. There's too much footage from a few select angles. In the scene at the table in particular, there's plenty of room for more setup. Except if they shoot from the other end of the table, they gotta deal with this green screen and visual effects costs. So, they film multiple takes with only a handful of angles from the other end of the table and nearby to keep all of the shots angled toward the facility where the background is real. I am reminded of behind-the-scenes footage on El Mariachi in which Robert Rodriguez would film many scenes in two basic parts, assuming two characters interacting. He would shoot one person, pulling focus when the other person was talking, having planned when he wanted close shots, when he wanted wider shots, ahead of time. Then he would shoot the other person doing the same. In editing, he would cut the moments from each angle when he was changing the focus and have all of the pre-planned shots and reaction shots that he needed. He saved money, El Mariachi quite famously had a tiny production budget, by very deliberately shooting less and planning all of it ahead. This feels like something less deliberate. Like they filmed multiple takes focusing occasionally on Lena, occasionally on Thornton, occasionally on Shepard, occasionally on Raddick, occasionally going for wider shots but with very little variety. And a conversation that spans multiple minutes Many of the various camera setups were virtually identical, so when it came to editing, they were stuck with cuts like these. Or maybe Garland is going for something specific, but this being only his second time directing, his directing style is not quite there yet. Shepard. The, the previous, previous teams, teams have been largely, largely military, so... Yeah. 
She turns toward Raddick again, but we angle on Lena. Second 42, Thornton barely at the left edge of the frame. Lena, what do you, what think, do you think happened to them? Angle past Raddick on Thornton and Lena. Lena turns to Thornton so quickly that this cut almost doesn't work. Thornton. Well, well there, there are two, two theories, theories of what went wrong with Shimmer. One, something kills, kills them. Two, two, she turns toward Lena. They, they go, go crazy, crazy and kill each other. She adds in the script, Theory one favors a male team, all big and butch, armed to the teeth. Theory two favors a female team, less propensity to violence, and so far the male teams have been shit out of luck. In the script, Lena looks at Thornton, sees this as for real. Lena, they really think the previous expeditions might have killed each other? Thornton, it's a little more than they just think it. You know, there's a guy who made it back. In the film, we angle on Lena after Thornton says people kill each other in the shimmer. We linger as Lena turns away, looks down at her beer. Radic. Off screen. There, there was, was one military, military guy who made it out. out. Lena looks up, just with her eyes. She is paying attention, but trying not to be obvious about it. Shepard. Off screen. Yeah. Second 59, angle on Raddick. Shepard blurry beyond her. Raddick. A sergeant. And time runs out for this minute. We spoke. What was it we said? <laughs> Wordlessly watching, he waits by the window and wonders at the empty place inside. 